Hey, you are listening to Peach Neon Pink Ramblings, a podcast where I talk about my thoughts about everything Korean entertainment, including K dramas, Korean movies, Korean variety shows, K pop, and K beauty, everything under the umbrella of things. Um, also, my rants about life, pop culture, and a lot of random things. So, thank you so much for tuning in and listen on. Hey, so this is episode 10 of Peach Neon Pink Ramblings, the podcast where I talk about everything Korean entertainment. Um, oh my gosh, I can't believe that we've reached. Episode 10, uh, I've been trying to do this every week and I wasn't going to be able to do a podcast episode this week because of lady problems. Um, I'm not sure if you guys saw it on our socials, but yeah, uh, but I feel a little bit better. So I'm recording um, this episode today. Um, so it's going to come out this week. Um so today is Tuesday. It might come out before midnight or after midnight. So it's going to be a Tuesday, Wednesday kind of launch, I guess. Um, so today we're going to talk about a um, one of the K-dramas that I have started and kind of binge watch, which is Flower Crew Joseon Marriage Agency. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about this historical rom-com. Um, and a couple of other Korean dramas that I've been watching and on my plate lately um we're also gonna talk about on the k-pop section another song by my one of my favorites well my favorite k-pop boy group right now got seven we're gonna talk about one of their songs from their new comeback album um and also one of my very favorite korean bands and flying we're gonna talk about their comeback song as well on the k-pop section and then i'm super excited because on the k-beauty section we're gonna talk about matte lipsticks you guys know it i am a huge fan of lip products lip balm lipsticks lip gloss whatever anything i am a huge fan of so i'm gonna talk about a couple of um pretty much korean brand lipsticks that i've been trying so far um, I think I talked about that in the last podcast episode, but I was still getting them from Korea and getting them shipped. So um, they're all finally here this week, and I'm going to talk about uh, three of them and maybe some later on, or you can see it on my blog. And so, yeah, that's pretty much episode 10. And hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode.
are back and this is the K-drama section of my podcast. I know lately I've been talking more about Korean movies. I talked about Parasite, which is if you haven't watched um, that movie by director Bong Joon-ho, definitely try to catch it if you're here in North America. Um, It's literally showing in every theater, not every theater, but limited release, but there's probably one in your city or a major city near you. Um, and I've talked about a Netflix original variety show that is an all-Korean ensemble cast called Busted in the last podcast episode, but that's more of a Korean variety show. But I am back with a Korean drama, finally. Oh my gosh, you guys know I watch a lot of Korean dramas. I have probably at any given time a good five or six dramas that are in my on my plate on my viewing list every day um and that takes up a lot of time (laughs) and i really try to kind of watch at least halfway through the series before i talk about it uh so yeah today we're gonna talk about a korean drama called flower crew joseon marriage agency this is starring Kim Min Jae, Gong Sung Yeon, Park Ji Hoon, Seo Ji Hoon, and Byung Yoo Suk. I'm gonna read you guys, as usual, a little bit of a summary, synopsis, description, whatever you can want to call it, from Vicky. Um, so yeah, growing up in an ordinary con- as an ordinary country blacksmith, Lee Soo, played by Seo Ji Hoon, had no idea. He would ever rule all of Joseon, but at the age of 23, that's exactly what happened. Now as king, Lee Su is finding it hard to adapt to the restrictions of palace life, especially where the matters of the heart are concerned. Having loved Getong, played by Gong Sung Yun, for as long as he can remember, he always thought that she would be the one he would someday marry. But now as king, that dream has become nothing short of impossible. As a commoner, Lee Su has no chance making Gaedong his bride, but that doesn't stop him from trying. Hiring the best matchmaking agency in Joseon, Lee Su asks the talented flower crew to transform his first love into a noble woman. Accepting the king's request, Mahon, played by Kim Min Jae, Do Jun, played by Byung Woon Suk, and Go, uh, Go Young Soo, played by Park Ji Hoon, take Gedong into their care. There's just one problem. Transformations like this aren't easy and there's a lot of work to do. Risking their lives to help the king, can the flower crew help Gedong blossom into a beautiful noble, noble flower? Or will this job prove to be utterly impossible? Based on a novel by Kim Yirang, Flower Crew Joseon Marriage Agency is a 2019 Vicky original historic romantic comedy drama directed by Kim Garam. So let's talk about this Korean drama. Um, I actually have been watching a lot of historical rom-coms lately. Um, the Tale of Nokdu, which I'm going to talk about later. Um, I also was watching Rookie Historian Guherong, which I have yet still to finish. I still have like, I think four or three episodes left. So nobody spoil it because <laughs> I'm still going to finish watching it. I just have like a lot of dramas that I'm watching at the moment. Um, but I always enjoy 
a good rom-com set in historical Korea or Joseon. Um, if you guys don't know, I haven't talked about it in a podcast. Joseon is like what they call like the olden days in Korea where there are kings and there's class systems. So um, more often than not, it's either, um, I would say most historical rom-coms are set in Joseon, the sh- Joseon period. Um, sometimes in Goryeo, sometimes in like... There's a lot of like eras in Korean history, which I am not the person to talk about because I'm only really familiar familiar with it because of Korean dramas, because of Seguks and historical dramas. But most of the time, most dramas are set in Joseon. I feel like because it's like the most like prominent like era in Korean history. So that's usually when where most of the rom-coms or even most historical dramas are set in the ta- in that time period. But um, it's in the name of this Korean drama. It's also called Joseon Flower Crew or in Korean, Kotpadang Joseon Hamna Gongjakso. That's my probably awful pronunciation of it, but that's <laughs> what it is in Korean, Romanized. Um, it pretty much aired on JTBC from mid-September till mid-November. I, I think if the last episode aired sometime last week, mid-last week maybe. Um, it's currently available with English subtitles on Viki. So if um, you want to watch it, want to catch it, it's, it's available with English subtitles already. So this one, at first glance, if you are at all familiar with the story or the film My Fair Lady with Audrey Hepburn, you pretty much kind of get that idea, like the concept of it, at first glance from this Korean drama. Because it's pretty much like a historical Sega rom-com version of My Fair Lady. Um, If you are not familiar with My Fair Lady... Um, there is also a more, I guess, modern iteration of it in Hollywood with Julia Roberts, which is Pretty Woman. It's a, a take on the story of My Fair Lady. But pretty much it's like a it's a lady. It's like a woman. This, the main conceit of the story of My Fair Lady, it's a, a woman that's like below her class that gets transformed and trained into a class above her. Therefore, a fair lady. Um, <laughs> but this one specifically highlights the the culture, such as the the class system in Joseon, the arranged marriages, the matchmakers, the royal court of the king. So, um, it's it's very much it's very Korean. So there's no worries about it being too much uh, of. A callback to my fair lady i think they took that idea as this is not the first time they've taken like the concept of my fair lady and adapted it into a korean drama there's quite a few that it's actually a trope that's um quite prevalent in korean dramas like there's usually i think in k dramas they call it more of like the cinderella character that the main female lead gets made over um, to kind of fit the ideal of the male lead, like, in the story. So, um, it's not the first time. There's a lot of, like, versions of this kind of idea 
in not just in Korean dramas, but in just mainstream, like, entertainment, mainstream movies and dramas and shows and series. So, um, but this one specifically I started enjoying because of the elements of the Korean Joseon dynasty culture that are deeply embedded in it. And then you can... It's if you're a person like me who's watched a lot of historical seguks, it's easy to just dip your feet in there and get lost within the story and the scenery um and the world of the series just because it's very familiar. Um if you've watched even like one or two um historical rom coms, you you're familiar you're pretty much familiar with this world. Um it's it's easy to understand. It's easy to get into. So I would say this is a Korean drama that um, if you have a friend or a family member that you want them to get into Korean dramas, and if they are a fan of rom-coms in general, they're going to like this series just because it's pretty easy to um, digest just from the, from the get-go. It's, it's one of those series that are not too heavy, uh, handed and it's not too much to it's not too much of the the korean culture that one would get lost at what's going on um it's not that like melodrama seguk that's like a lot of like political machinations and everything and there's like different ranks of people they have to remember which one's like the dowager queen which one's the reigning queen which ones are the concubines it's not like that. It's 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 a light version of that type of historical Sega like um drama. So it's it's not as hard to introduce to a a newbie watcher. And also um there's not as much to explain in terms of culture. There's just enough that it piques your interest. Um like I said, quite lighthearted. It does have a slow start because in the beginning, it has to build the world. It has to build the conceit of what's going on. It has to build the relationship between Kim Su and Getong. Because if not, you're not really necessarily going to invest on her transformation or her growth from somebody who is looked down upon in society into an actual lady and what that entails in the plot line. So there is a bit of a slow start. Um, for me, that's not usually a deal breaker in terms of Korean dramas. It is though, if it kind of, um, usually Korean dramas are about 16 to 20 episodes. If it's still like this, like when you reach like episode six or episode seven, then it is a warning sign that the the plot line might not pick up and loose ends might not be like covered and tied up by the end of the series. So I, I'm fine with a slow start if it's just like the first couple of episodes, which is how it is here in, um, in Flower Crew, Joseph Marriage Agency. It's because the first two episodes are pretty much a setup of what, is to come in the next few episodes. Usually, typically, I feel like um, if it hasn't reached like a good setup of the world by episode three or four, then you're kind of in a bit of a um, a race to kind of do that in in the middle of the series. Because usually by episode 
12, that's where the shit goes down. Like every, you know, if it's a rom-com, that's where the big kiss comes. Or if it's in a melodrama, that's when somebody dies or somebody gets murdered. Or um, if it's uh, Seguk, that's usually when like all the political machinations that is geared towards the king or something, that's when it happens. Or if, you know, if it's a sad romantic um, drama, that's when the main couple decides to go their separate ways. It, episode 12 usually is that that episode that just packs a punch in the series. Um, so I haven't reached episode 12 in this series, so I'm hoping that it's going to be good. But so far, the pacing has been okay, so I've been watching it kind of religiously the past couple um, past couple weeks, pretty much. Um, like I said, it's a little bit of a slow start, but um, what's brilliant about this Korean drama is the pretty much an ensemble cast, because... The the way they are built endears you to the plot line. It's a very young cast, which is good because they you you they match all of the ages, um in the story. So you're never kind of like, oh, one of the characters look kind of too old for for you know one of the, or one of the actors or actresses are too old for this role. So it's never like that. There there's times when they cast a historical sega that they either cast somebody who looks too young for the role like for uh debbie mama like a uh the dowager queen which kind of happens in this drama but not as badly um because the the queen character in here kind of has like a baby face so sometimes she looks too young to be the queen um but also her character is very frivolous so it kind of fits um or they cast one of like the main leads to that look older than their counterpart, like their female or male counterpart. So it kind of throws you off because you're like, um, they don't look like they're on the same age group. But it doesn't happen here. The main ensemble cast of this drama is actually, I think, with the, like in their twenties. So they all look like they they could, you know, socially they could be hanging out. <laughs> Um, let me talk. Actually, I'm gonna talk about each of the cast members in the ensemble, um, individually, sort of, just because I want to talk about the the individual merits they have and what they bring to the plot. Um, I'm gonna talk first about the female lead, uh, Gong Sung Yun, who was in Six Flying Dragons. I last saw her actually with Seo Kang Jun. And the Korean drama, Are You Human? Which I definitely recommend. It's a good Korean drama. Sci-fi has a lot of... Quite fun to watch. <laughs> um, so she plays Getong, which literally means dog poop. Which, in the onset, you're just like laughing because it's a, it's a girl. It's a woman named dog poop. And if... Even if... I would say if you're one of those people who uh, watch Korean dramas instantaneously when you hear her name and what she's called by, you're just like laughing. Because even in my limited understanding of Korean, if I had been watching this without any English subtitles and I heard that she's being called like dog poop, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's already funny and it already provides a bit of a comedic um, feel to it. Um her name though has a 
I mean, it's a bit sad because of the way she is, uh, her character is, it's, she is poor and has lost her entire family as a young child and has had to survive in the streets by doing a lot of odd jobs. So she's that character that's um, very resourceful, um, works hard, and just like, um, how do I say it? It's like she she's very street smart. So, um, and it's kind of sad in a way because and essentially, she doesn't have a name because the name, I don't think anybody would name their kid dog poop. But essentially, she has that name because she doesn't know her real name, her birth name. So um, here, Gong Sung Yun, actually, Gong Sung Yun is the older sister of uh, one of the Twice members. I forgot what her name is. But <laughs> um Gong Sung-yun's um younger sister is a member of the K pop girl group twice. Um and Gong Sung Yun, from what I remember, actually used to be a K pop trainee under SM Entertainment. Um, but then she left because she didn't end up debuting as part of a K pop group. So and then she pursued acting, which is what she's doing right now. She's an actress. Um she they really made her up to be a plain Jane in this series. I mean, she's not ugly. She is a pretty actress. But um, the way they just did her look here is that at the first part, they made her look very boyish and just very unkempt, very dirty, which kind of goes with the whole part that she's a hustler. She is quite poor and she has to work all these jobs just to make ends meet. Um but I remember watching the first few episodes and there was comments online about how she looks like ugly. But for me, she doesn't look ugly. She just looked plain Jane. Like I I didn't agree with that and that she didn't look like she would match up um, with any of the guys in the show, which I think is brilliant in terms of this series because if that was what your perception is of her, then the transformation that she undergoes to become a noble lady, a noble woman, then makes it so much more significant. Because then you see her as somebody as like, for me, just a plain Jane, and then she transformed into somebody more refined and somebody more ladylike. Um, at first, the acting comes off as abrasive, but it's because of the character, I think. Um, when her character later has more interactions with the boys from the flower crew, then it's much more relatable. You kind of see the backstory behind her life and why she has to act so unrefined and why she is that way. Because she pretty much grew up poor as pretty much as a slave. She didn't learn how to read and speak and write um, as as somebody with like resources would, like a noble woman would. Like she didn't receive the education that one would get if you had money. So the way she talks is a bit like, I would say abrasive because it's like very, she kind of like talks her, like what's in her mind. She doesn't really have breaks and she's just like very like just go, go, go. Um, But Gong Sung-yun is doing a fantastic job 
as the female lead that because even at that point, even if you see that she is not quite refined, you see the strong points in her character. You see the resilience. You see that she is trying her best to just live in a world that is so cruel to her, to live her life despite being so unlucky in everything, despite that everybody in her life has left her. So she is kind of like that archetypal character, the Probably the most famous of this type of characters is Gumjandi in Boys Over Flowers. Like, if you've watched a really old Korean drama, it's not really old, it's like 10 years old, maybe, um, or less, but it's that Gumjandi character, um, which it, this is a staple Korean like drama character. Um, there's a lot of female leads that have this characteristics that they are down on their luck, but they are just so resilient and they refuse to be bogged down by life. And that's what Gong Sung Yun is portraying in this role as Getong, which makes it so much more like you just want to root for her because it, she is that Cinderella character. You want her to succeed. Um, let's move on to the male lead who... Actually, in the first few episodes, I was kind of confused on who the male lead is. Just because it was already, like, pointing towards two different guys. But I think Kim Min-jae is probably the male lead. Probably because he, out of the young cast, he's probably the biggest name. Aside from Gong Sung yoon But she doesn't really have that much credits under her belt. Um, Probably Kim Min-jae is the more well-known, like actor like credit wise i guess so after like the first couple of episodes i was like yeah he's probably like the main lead because in the first two episodes you kind of get a fake out and you think that um the other character uh, the other actor that i'm gonna talk about is the male lead but he's not really <laughs> more of a supporting cast uh but kim and jay was in goblin he played the king in that um series uh and then i talked about him in the last podcast he was also in busted um in a, a very long episodic cameo in that um, korean variety show he's also been so doing supporting roles in a bunch of other korean dramas um he plays mahoon who is the leader of the flower crew he's definitely uh what they call a sundere, which is that character trope that is very cold at first, but actually quite warm-hearted on the inside. And he's definitely that character. Um, and if I may continue on the boys over flower um, analogy in comparison, this is the go um, the Junpyo character, pretty much. <laughs> um, he's very analytical, very observant, and intelligent. He comes, he's a nobleman. He comes from a rich family. Um, but he became a matchmaker due to an incident with his father causing the death of his older brother. Um, his father is the prime minister character in this series. And if you've watched any historical dramas, most of the time, like, the ministers are evil and they're the ones plotting to take over or trying to control um, the king or the queen or whoever royalty sitting on the throne. And they they have their own political agendas. And definitely, I would say, 
um Mahun's dad, who is the prime minister, is like the most evil out of all of them because he's the one who's like pulling the strings, um, of everything. Like pretty much, he's he doesn't have any like remorse into like you know killing his son. Um, he doesn't like all of his actions are pretty much evil. So um. Mahun, he becomes a matchmaker, which um, in the Joseon dynasty, in the current Joseon period era, uh, matchmakers are not really seen as um, a desirable job. It's kind of like in the lower ranks of jobs. Um, you know, if if you want to be a prominent member, member of the society, you have to be a scholar or a government official or a minister or stuff like that. Um, definitely a matchmaker is a occupation that is looked down upon in that era. And um, I think Mahun pretty much does it out of rebellion and slight, like just spite of his dad. And also um, his belief in creating a more equal um, world or a more equal Joseon. Um, there is a line in one of the episodes in the series in the first half where he says that um, Getong pretty much asked Mahun that it's like, why did you pick this uh, area of the city to have the headquarters of the flower crew? Because pretty much their, their headquarters are in this like alleyway. And he says that because he wanted... Um, everybody to come to the flower crew as equals because it's the road is so small that a carriage or or horses wouldn't be able to um go in so rich people or anybody with with money or prominence middle or high class um would have to get off their carriage just to get inside the flower crew headquarters and same way with anybody who is um, lower middle class or poor is that they are able to walk in comfortably into the headquarters. So he's saying that it is sig- symbolic of his desire to create a create equality amongst everybody in Joseon. Um, he he, Mahon is a character that doesn't believe in love, and I love doesn't believe in love and i love <laughs> i love how kim and jay actually portrays him because you can tell that he is quite cold at sundere but you there is that slight flicker in how he in his eyes that you can tell that there is this this boy was this guy was hurt before he has some emotional baggage that precludes him and just makes him adverse to to love um uh, and which is the main idea of why he is a matchmaker because he thinks that um marriages um can be manufactured and fated to happen like it's not um just two people falling in love it it can be analyzed and it can be nitpicked and it can be orchestrated um any uh meet cute can be orchestrated by the flower crew so uh he definitely, like I said before, Kim and Jay is one of those promising young actors in Korea right now. Um, and he has been taking more lead roles, which I really appreciate. He has 
I've probably mentioned it a few times already. He has a striking resemblance to Yeo Jinggu, who was in Hotel de Luna recently, which I talked about in a previous podcast episode. They just look so much alike that sometimes um, you kind of mistake one for each other and you have to look up, oh, who actually played this role? Because they, they look quite alike. Um, but he is also quite a good actor. I am looking forward to him doing a lot more lead roles because he's killing here as Mahon. Yeah, you, I mean, he's doing the whole like Sherlock type of thing very well. Um and he has a very subtle, measured um, style of acting, which is good because you never feel overwhelmed and just too bogged down by his analytical character uh, because Kim and Jay just really puts on a subtle acting that um, the character comes out as a full-bodied, full-fledged human being, that you understand his motivations, you understand his personality, you understand why he is... As prickly as what uh, Gedong says, as he is, like he he does have reasons why he is like that, why he lives his life like that. So, <laughs> um, next actor I'm gonna talk about is Park Ji Hoon, who is actually so much more famously known as part of the K-pop group uh, One Hundred One from Produce One Hundred One. Uh, he was also a child actor. He was in Jumong. He was in Iljime. He plays Yongsu. Uh, Yongsu? Yongsu? Um, he is the more flamboyant, fashionable member of the Flower Crew. I mean, all of their clothing is actually quite gorgeous. But um, when you see um, Yongsu, he's like always like extra AF. Like he's always dressed in the most like colorful um clothing and he's always has accessories he always has at one point he has the these like joseon version of sunglasses um which i'm going to talk about later but um <laughs> he is kind of like if you know that show on netflix queer eye he's kind of like the tan france jonathan van ness character meshed into one because he's kind of like the stylist he's like the uh the makeup guru of the group and he's the one who styles all of their clients and stuff he's also the one who kind of styles like the wedding itself um but all in the context of joseon like korean culture um <laughs> but he is he is such he is such a fun character Yongsu. um he reminds me of lee hongi's character jeremy from um, an older Korean drama called You're Beautiful. Um, it's that bubbly and quite oblivious character. Um, Park Ji Hoon actually, like I said, was a child actor, but he, this is one, I think this is his return and his first probably like adult role. Um, he does his catchphrase from Produce 101. He does like a very, it became a very well known catchphrase in Korea like two years ago or so i believe um not just within the k-pop community but everywhere in korea uh the one that he goes like cho jung like and he does like the picture snap cute eggio pose like the cutesy pose and it's like i'm saving you in my heart like you're i'm capturing you in my heart and he does it here in the first couple episodes which is so funny because if you know him from k-pop you're gonna recognize 
him doing that but also it's just a funny thing to do in a historical drama because it's just so like out of place um he calls the other members of the flower crew as big uni and little uni which uni is like a it's like a word that you call like if you're a female calling an older female which is funny in this case because he's a guy and he's calling another guy this. Like, they're supposed to call, he's supposed to call that person Hyung, but he, or Hyung Nim. Like, he doesn't. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of cute and funny in that way and fits his character. Um, I love, I love the dynamic he has with everybody and it just adds like that more lighthearted, fun part of the drama. Uh, let's talk about Seo Ji Hoon, another Ji Hoon. There's two Ji Hoons in this drama, which is, was, was very cute very amusing um seoji hoon he was in signal more recently i remember him as the woodcutter in mama fairy and the woodcutter he plays kim su who is a commoner blacksmith turned into the king of joseon he pretty much got kidnapped and got placed as the puppet king um in the joseon court um initially the character is a bit flat he seoji hoon really tries a lot because you see that he's trying to make a lot of the character in the beginning. Um, but it's just like the character itself is very flat. But then it becomes much more interesting once he becomes the king of Joseon. And has had to pretty much survive in court after living his entire life as a commoner. Um, as a person who is not very... Like he's not even noble man like he's not even a noble person he's just like lower middle class pretty much almost poor as a blacksmith so um he the way his character has had to maneuver the political ins and outs of the court and the to play uh with the ministers who like i said most of the time in historical psycho dramas the ministers are evil and the villains of the story so it's this young man who has been thrown into the lion's den. And there's a lot of metaphor that they call him as like um, a horangi, like a, a tiger that they didn't know had claws. Um, because he actually, the character actually develops so much better once he becomes the king. Because there's so much more to... Um, interact with and there's so much more for Seo Ji-hoon to actually play with as an actor and develop in his character um, I really appreciated the fact that they didn't make him into just suddenly like this really good political player because he has learned in a tough way what his what his what he needs to do to gain power and what to use that power for um, and they don't show it like very quickly. They're just like, okay, suddenly he's like super good at being king. Um, they kind of do it very organically and naturally that you believe that this is a young man who's using his knowledge and his upbringing as a commoner into his decisions as the king of Joseon. So I, I initially thought, like I said, that Seo Ji-hoon's character, uh, Kim Su was actually like the male lead because that's what you're le you're you're kind of made to believe in the first couple episodes um but it turns out most likely not is a supporting um role 
I also want to talk about Byun Wusuk, who was in Search WWW. He was also in Weightlifting Fairy Kim Bokju. He plays Dojun, who is the informant spy, um, the little uni of a flower crew. He spends his days in the Kiseng house, which I talked about before. Kisengs are like geishas, like courtesans um, in the Joseon era. Uh, he's quite flirty. He's he portray he, the character portrayal is a playboy. Uh, has and then later you find out, which is good because sometimes they have supporting characters that don't get developed, and he's not a very like big role. But the good thing is that they actually delve into his character because his character has abandonment issues from his mother, and. That informs on what the why the character is so flirty and why he's such a playboy. Um, I love the fact that here in Flower Crew, Joseon Marriage Agency, that this Korean drama really takes the time to um, not only focus on the main leads, but also on the supporting characters and giving them enough time to show their personality, their backstory. And that's what makes a good Korean drama because you're, you're invested in the whole world of the drama you're in the whole picture with the plot line you're not just like invested in the male and the female leads you're invested in everybody that is even the people within them so you you want to know more about that and that's what makes for me a very watchable a very compelling enjoyable korean drama to watch um like i said the plot works because of the interaction between the members of the flower crew and oftentimes there's these two plot lines of the cases taken on by the flower crew that often has connections with the political power play that is going on in the royal court. So there is the development, the love story, the love triangle-ish between uh, Getong, between Mahun, and the king. But there's also stuff that's going on within them and the characters around them that directly affects each plot line in the story. Like I said, that's what I feel like the writers are doing brilliantly with this Korean drama because it's it's taking each part of the plotline, meshing them together, intertwining them, and makes for good drama to watch. Um, <laughs> I love the fact that it knows exactly what genre it is. It's 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 a historical rom com. Okay, so it's never too overly heavily handed slight anachronisms like i said when um park jihoon's character when young soo does like that chojang that part and he wears like these sunglasses or when Tung's character does like a cutesy like agyo move that nobody nobody as a uh as in the joseph period would do but it's funny because it's anachronisms that are funny and wacky, but it, it doesn't distract too much from the historical setting. You're never like, okay, what is this? Is this a fusion drama? What? You never, it's never like that. It's it's just light handedly like tapped into there in moments that just makes you laugh and smile. Um, like I said, the villainous characters, which are mostly the, the ministers, but also one of the female supporting roles, quite evil. <laughs> They're just on varying levels of evil and you want to root for, like you don't know which side you want to root for even in the royal court because you're just like, both sides actually do um, have their own political agendas that just hurt 
the 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 commoners, the normal people, and that's for me that what that's what makes me root for the king, because he has that duality of being a commoner and now being placed in the position of power to actually rule and be a good king. So, I I'm rooting for um Kim Su to thwart the evil ministers. I'm rooting for, um. I think I am I'm rooting for Mahoon and Getong to get together. They just seem like the more interesting couple. And for the most part, I think Getong and the king, Kim Soo's, even in the the beginning of the series, it feels more not really like as lovers. They feel more like as as a brotherly sibling type of relationship. Um but I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm in episode ten right now and I'm I am excited to actually watch the rest of the series and finish it. Hopefully, it doesn't start lagging in the end um, because I, I completely want to finish and enjoy this drama series. Next thing we're going to talk about is actually a couple of Korean dramas that are on my plate still. Um, I have been watching Leverage, uh, starring Lee Dong-gun and Jung Hae-bin. This is, I mentioned it before, it's a Korean adaptation of the American series Leverage. Um, each, uh, it used to be like a case per episode and it shows on the weekend. Um, each two-part episodes now have cases that no, don't necessarily conclude in the two-episode part in the weekend. Um, and not necessarily a cliffhanger. I don't know. The editing has become kind of weird in this drama. I still enjoy it a lot. Just because mainly I enjoy that type of heist con type of plotline story. So, and I enjoyed the original um, American show, obviously. Like I've mentioned before. So, and I love what they're doing. It's just that the the pacing gets... Of, Oh, I should say the pacing suffers from the editing because they would the plot line it used to be like just episodic and then now it's not it's sort of like they do the everything bleeds through like three-fourths away three-fourths of the way into like the next like two episodes which kind of makes the pacing weird i don't know still very enjoyable i'm still following it every week um they didn't have a um they didn't have the two episodes in the past weekend but they had it like this past saturday sunday so um i watched that um episode nine and ten i believe and it's it's been really fun it's been fun seeing um the characters develop and what they're doing to kind of get closer and closer to the big bad character it's it's fun and I, i'm probably gonna like review it as a whole once it's more towards the end of the series and watch once i've watched more of it or let's see <laughs> let's see how much more i enjoy it to, um, to the point that i'll probably talk about it in this podcast um i've also watched uh or started watching the tale of nokdu which stars jang dongyun kim soyun kim soyun was in love alarm um I am so sad because this is one of those historical uh, romantic dramas that I really wanted it to be good. But um, I'm about like episode six, episode seven, and it's become quite boggy and slow, like in the middle or towards the middle half. And the plot line hasn't really picked up that much. Um, 
I mean, Jung Dong Yoon and Kim So Yoon, amazing young actor and actress. They're they're killing it in their role. They're doing really well, but it's just the story kind of lost me um in the middle. So now I've kind of like paused and um maybe or maybe not I'll get back into it. I'll let you guys know on the podcast, but um uh, I feel sad because it's it's the the initial conceit and the initial story and the plotline of it was so interesting. Um just something very different from most historical dramas. So I was like expecting quite a lot for them to develop, but then it hasn't. It's it's just it's just there. Um uh, but let's see. Maybe we'll uh <laughs> we'll see how it goes. K-pop section of Peachy and Pink Ramblings, the podcast where I talk about everything Korean entertainment related. So this is the K-pop section. I am first going to talk about a song by God7 called Thursday. Uh, we're going to talk about two songs as usual today. Um, you will be able to hear a short snippet of the song. Um, if you are on Anchor or on Spotify Premium, before and after this segment, you're gonna hear a short segment of the song. Um, when if you are on two of those platforms for copyright reasons, but otherwise, you're gonna hear some other fine music inserted on here for your listening pleasure. Anyways, let's get to talking about God Seven. 
Um, you guys know it from previous podcast episodes. I love, love God7. They are a seven-member boy group from JYP Entertainment. And um, Thursday is one of the tracks from the recent, the recent comeback um, extended play, their EP called Call My Name. And uh, oh my gosh, like I, I've been like just straight out listening to this album and since it came out like two weeks ago. And I know I've talked about two songs previously. I talked about You Calling My Name and I talked about Crash and Burn um, as well in a previous podcast episode. And um, I really just love the album so much that I also wanted to talk about Thursday. Um, Thursday was penned by JB, who is the leader of God7. It is a very soft, chill, fun song, um, I would say. It's the kind of song you would listen to on, like, on a Thursday <laughs> or on the weekend when you're just, like, trying to, like, have a chill day. Um, it is very much uh, in contrast to the more sultry sexy vibe of you calling my name uh which is much more um much more sexier r&b tone um like i said in previous podcast episode um thursday is totally different i feel like with this ep call my name they really showcased a lot of the different genres and the different flavors of like music that they can put out the different concepts that they can put out. So um, that's what I love about Thursday because it is a fun song. It is quite delightful to listen to. You can tell that when they're performing it, even when they're, when you watch it in their showcase or in their performance of it at a music show or even just like in general, listen to the track, you can definitely hear the fact that they, all of the members of the group are having fun just like, like not just listening but just singing this song which is like so it's like what did you call it it's not necessarily like uplifting but it just makes you have like good vibes (laughs) which is a song that i in like i i love to listen to when i'm feeling particularly either down or having a bad day a tough day it's that kind of song that you want to listen to um specifically um i think the rap line um the the lines from the three rap members in the group actually really shines through in this song in thursday um it does in other songs this this uh track reminds me of their song um teenager or a or just right it's it's not necessarily as youthful as those songs but a more matured just kind of like you can tell this is a song made by guys that are in their mid-20s just going through life um (laughs) jackson specifically has a very hard-hitting hook that goes and thursday like the part that goes like thursday thursday which is i can never do do his like growly deep voice but it's a very hard-hitting hook um that sets up a very that's what i want to say it has a very beach like a day at the beach hanging out with friends vibe or you're just chilling with friends vibe um in the song so that's really what sets it off 
And Mark has this very smooth, effortless rap. And when you pair that with Bam Bam, who is pretty much in the group, the epitome of being chill, like he says it himself, he's like, we're very chill. He's like one of those just cool, relaxed rappers. And I really appreciate that in contrast to how they are rapping in um, like their title song, You Calling My Name. Because in You Calling My Name, it's very powerful, very sexy, full of like vigor, full of passion when you hear them rap. Um, especially like Bam Bam's beginning, like the start, the starting section, uh, the pre-chorus when he does like his whole rap section. It's, it's very intentionally like very powerful and machismo, you know. Um, and in contrast with that, Thursday is totally different in a way that it is just them having fun, singing a song that is so enjoyable and pleasant to hear, pleasant to the ears. So I definitely recommend this song, um, not only because I am a huge GOT7 fan, um, because it is a song that um, I think has just a lot of layers to it. It's... Um, the type of song that it's a good, like I said, a good beach, a day at a beach vibe. Um, very good for like just a chill day. Um, I actually have this saved under my playlist on Spotify as soft chill because it is like that, a soft chill song. Um, <laughs> so take a listen. You, you would have heard like a short snippet of it if you were again on Anchor or on Spotify Premium. Um, and then let's move on to another fun, fun song, which is N Flying's Good Bam. It is a song from one of my favorite bands, K-pop bands, pretty much. They are a four-member rap rock band from FNC Entertainment. I think I talked about their um, most, right now, most famous song called Rooftop, which was in the beginning of the year. Um that really launched them into like being more well-known in Korea and internationally. Uh, but this is their uh, title track from their comeback album, Yahoo, which was last month in October, I think, when it came out. And this is one of those songs that is very, I would describe an anthem, like anthem-like, because it just builds up into this like song that just raises you up. It's I would say I describe it tonally as an anthem to like say a late night spent with your friends and filled with very youthful erratic like feeling to it. It's just like um, I would say if you went out to karaoke with friends and you were just having like a fun time uh, over drinks, it's like one of those nights and it's like a song that is just an anthem for that. It's quite a flip, uh, uplifting. And it's uh, fun in a way. Same way as I feel about God 7's Thursday. Is that when you listen to it. It is not a hard heavy song. It's quite soft but fun and bouncy. Um. They performed this in the music shows for quite some time. And one of the um, performances they did was during Halloween. And they were dressed up as characters from Winnie the Pooh. And it was hilarious. So cute. Um, but it just is that feel of that song that you feel very like 
uplifted and you feel like it's like your friends cheering you on, giving you a high five, giving you a fist bump. It has that vibe of a song. So um, it's definitely worth a listen. And if you haven't checked out and flying, um, like I said, Rooftop is amazing. Um, Good Bam is actually amazing as well. Such a good listen. Um, but if you haven't checked them out, definitely check their discography out because they have a good um, set of tracks, um, discography. This Discography? Is that how you say it? Anyway, um, they have Hot Potato is quite fun also. That music, um, that track is quite fun. Um, actually, in general, and flying is just such a good listen to they are a k-pop band that has their own flavor their own feel and they have pretty much built their own genre of type of songs that are just feel good songs um that make you want to get up and like have fun um you're like a previously mentioned you will probably be able to hear a 30 minute segment of the song after this after the drop, um, if you're an anchor or Spotify premium, um, if not, stay tuned uh, for a beautiful insert song that I'm going to put on here. Um, and then we're going to talk about some K-beauty things, which are lipsticks, which I'm so excited about. Like a cargo, you will carry me I just hope you know my depth Even though it makes no sense Sometimes I'm broken Too much of emotions Sometimes I'm the lighting Don't wanna pick a fight with
the third section of the podcast speech knee and pink ramblings it is a podcast that i talk about everything korean entertainment korean related and now we're going to talk about k-beauty korean beauty and it is about my favorite probably makeup product which is lipsticks um you guys have heard about me talking about like a a lipstick product before most likely from industry because i love that brand but today finally oh my gosh last week i've been waiting for these things to come in the mail since they were getting shipped from seoul and they are finally here and i've actually had the time to actually review and try them out so it's it's oh my god so exciting first of all we're gonna talk about three different um lip products they're all lipsticks but we're gonna talk about three of them um first i'm gonna talk about um rom n zero gram matte lipstick in the shade all that jazz and this is a muted red rosy shade um when i actually okay honestly when i received this from when it got shipped to me um the lipstick bullet was broken off and um, I'm not one of those people that are like, oh, I'll just throw it away because first of all, I was waiting for this for like a good couple weeks. Um, so I just like MacGyvered my way into like putting the bullet back and all that stuff, you know, watched YouTube videos on how to fix a lipstick bullet. Uh, but it is quite fragile because when I tried to swatch it, then it broke off again and I'm like, oh, now I have to fix it again. Um, but maybe because it's like the formulation is a bit dry um when i was the application itself is dry but once it's in contact with the my lips it actually applied a little bit better i think it needs to really have the warmth of your skin to actually like apply a little bit better but the actual formulation seems a bit dry that's why the whole like bold lipstick bullet is quite fragile um 
The color, though, is beautiful. Like, this muted red rose is quite pretty. Um, I love this, this type of shade. Like, I generally like warm reds a lot more um, in terms of lip products. I like it when it's like a warmish rose red, mauve, like terracotta red type of colors. Um, it dries to a matte finish, but it does need at least a second pass to build up the color, which is a bit of an issue because it's it's dry, like the application. So um, when I was trying to put it on, it well, I broke the, the lipstick again, <laughs> which might just be my clumsiness, but um, just to try to put on a second layer takes a bit of tugging on my lips. So, um, but for a good less than 10 10 bucks i think it was like ten thousand one or something it was it's fine it's not too bad it's probably like not the best quality to begin with um but i love the color um second product i'm going to talk about is a lipstick from pony effect called outfit velvet lipstick in the shade someday somewhere this one is more of a brick red shade um oh my god so i've been a huge fan of um pony the makeup artist she i don't know what her real name is but um her channel on youtube is called pony syndrome and she does makeup tutorials and she's just gorgeous it's like if you want to learn more about doing korean style makeup or korean beauty it's like she does very amazing like work and she's i think she's one of the very well-known like makeup artists in korea so pony effect is their um is her line of cosmetics um they have lipsticks they have eye palettes all that stuff that's readily available in korea but it's quite hard to get a hold of here in north america so uh when i actually um found out that it there's some of her outfit some of her outfit velvet lipsticks are available online to purchase and get shipped to north america i was like i'm gonna grab a few of them and i just want to try them out because i've always heard such good things about pony effect um especially about her lipstick lines um and it, i don't know maybe just because she's so gorgeous like it looks so pretty on her all the time so this one's a brick red shade very very luxurious smooth application in general the whole lipstick itself looks very like luxurious because it's like magnetic closure it's like that type of like lipstick that the twist I don't know what it's called, but the twisty section is quite like much more bigger than like a normal like lipstick. So it feels very like just high end. It reminds me of something it would get from Dior um, or um, like that type of like look to the lipstick. Um, just packaging wise, it's very gorgeous. It's like a matte black with some gold like um, accents to it. Very cute, very like elegant looking but the application itself is quite smooth on the lips instantaneously your lips feel quite moist and how the bullet is shaped it's kind of like has the pony effect embossed on the side but also the pointy part of the the bullet uh is actually quite tapered in a way that it's easy to shape it you don't need like a lip pencil like it's easy to shape on your lips 
Um, but instantaneously, my lips felt very moist. And I have dry lips. Like, I um, use a lot of lip products. I use a lot of lip balm. But still, I have quite dry lips, especially now in the wintertime. Um, the color payoff is, like, a good medium. Um, I think because this is a velvet type of lipstick, it's not necessarily a straightforward matte or semi-matte. It's more like a... Um, her the matte lipsticks in her line are not available in North America. I, at least I, from what I know, um. So I ended up getting this the the outfit velvet ones, which is the closest to like matte lipsticks that are I could get a hold of. Um, but it's kind of a bit of a medium between like a a cream and a matte. Like it's in between that. It's not necessarily very dry. It's also not super moist, and like, um shiny so it leaves like a bit of a slight sheen a little of a bit of a gloss which i don't mind i prefer matte lipsticks because i prefer a, a matte look but a velvet like type of look with the slight sheen is not too bad either i think um but in general out of the the korean brand lipsticks i got recently probably this one from pony effect is one of my favorites just because of the way it applies the color payoff is a good good amount that um if you use one layer it looks pretty good i usually do like another pass uh then it looks just so good like on my lips and this is like the type of color that looks really well with my skin tone so um i'm definitely going to be using this a lot more um i use this uh during one of my shifts which is a 12-hour shift at work, and it actually lasted quite long, a good, like, three-fourths of the 12 hours. So the staying power is pretty good. Of course, with any lipsticks, if you're eating and you're not, you don't have, like, a lip tint on you, and it, like, if it's just a regular lipstick, it's going to rub off, it's going to come off. So you're going to have to reapply. I don't think there's any lipsticks that are just, like, it doesn't rub off at all, and I wouldn't want to use that anyways because it would be so hard to just take off at the end of the day. Um but pony effect um pony effects outfit velvet lipstick actually has a pretty good staying power which i appreciate lastly i want to talk about um cleo's mad matte in the color sensual pepper which is <laughs> when i got this and ordered this online i was like oh my gosh like it's such a funny name to name your your lipstick shade on but this one's a medium red shade that has a slight very slight orange um undertone it has a warm undertone to it rather than a cool undertone um cleo actually has i don't know if they're in the same same company as peripera but i think in the it's within the same group of companies maybe i'm not too sure but um i remember when i was in korea and i went into a club cleo road shop in myeongdong that they also had peripera they had cleo um and it's it, i think it's like the same like company or group of companies of like brand of megas but um road shops is what they call like the the little like makeup shops that are in like seoul um there's a lot of them in myeongdong like literally there's like 
five or seven like etude houses, five or seven Innisfrees, Holika Holikas, like um then there's like a whole bunch of club Cleos. Anyways, when you're growing around Myeongdong, it's like it's so easy to get a hold of these like cosmetics there. Um probably if I ever do come back to Seoul, I'll probably just like pack an extra suitcase and just fill it with freaking like k-beauty stuff because it's so like much more cheaper and much more readily available there than having it shipped over to north america but anyways club cleo is one of those road shops that you're gonna see there in myeongdong um mad matte is one of the their lipstick lines that i've been oh my god i didn't get it when i was in korea um last year and i really wanted to get it and then finally i saw oh you can actually buy it online um so I picked out this color called Central Pepper, and I love it. It's very moisturizing. Um, it's definitely a true matte formula because when you put it on, it it glides on really well and amazingly smooth and moisturizing. It never tugs on the lips, but also matte right away. Like it tries like matte right off. You don't. There's no waiting time. It's just matte. Um, the only thing that um I really didn't like about it was how the bullet is shaped just because it's rounded and it's not pointy and it's hard to shape it on the uh the cupid's bow on my lips um but you know it's it's doable <laughs> I love the formulation so much that I don't mind the way that the 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 lipstick bullet is shaped um, the color payoff is amazingly good. Like the pigmentation is really, really good. Um, it stays very well on the lips, and also, um, with just one swipe, actually, like you can really definitely see the color, but you can build it up very easily, and it would not feel like too dry compared to the Roman one, uh, the the Roman zero gram matte lipstick. It's like it you won't feel that it's too dry. It's just a, a suitable amount of matte, um, which is what actually out of all three, I mean, Pony Effect is like up there, um, their outfit velvet lipstick, but it's not a true matte in that case. So I think out of all the ones that I've sampled so far, um, the, the um, Cleo Mad Matte, is actually the best one because it is a true matte lipstick in every sense but also quite moisturizing and it's not drying on the lips um definitely also like i said definitely recommend matte matte if you're able to get a hold of it definitely try other colors i love this shade sensual pepper um just because it has a slight more orange yellowish warm undertone to it uh so it's like a good like red to wear every day uh it's not necessarily like a nude color or like a my lips but better color you can you can tell that you're wearing lipstick when you're wearing this but it's the type of red that is not too much of a red i would say if that makes sense um and that's pretty much it for the k beauty section i'm probably gonna take some time next week also to check about talk about the rest of the k beauty stuff that i've been trying out so far mostly lipsticks so stay tuned for that
Hey, you have reached episode 10 of this podcast. This is the end of the podcast. So thank you so much for listening. As always, thank you, thank you, thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. Um, let me know what you want me to talk about. You know the drill on anchor.fm forward slash peach neon pink. Neon has two ends forward slash message or definitely on our socials. Tweet me at peach neon pink um, and has neon has two ends. Sorry. <laughs> I totally messed up that spiel, but peach at peach at peach neon pink neon with two ends on Twitter. Um, let me know what you think about um, the K-drama that I discussed in this podcast episode let me think let me give me some suggestions on what what korean dramas i need to watch because sure i need more korean dramas on my plate um but also let me know what you think guys thought about the episode i am so thankful for you my lovely dear listeners to this podcast thank you so much for tuning in and following i will see you guys next week i'm so glad i'm actually putting out an episode even though i felt kind of sick today um but Yeah, (laughs) I will see you guys next week.